0: the grittier Australian version of magic realism. Welcome, Mere Mortalites, to another round of the Mere Mortal book reviews. You have your favorite host here, Kyron, also host of the Mere Mortals and Value for Value podcast. But this is the book reviews channel where we dive deeper into the books that I've been reading to get the juicy information, extract some themes, perhaps go over some stuff you might not have thought about, and also just relish in our love of books which is what we do over here typically i focus on books that are older than five to ten years something that stood the test of time and that is worthy of being talked about so you'll find all genres in here we've gone back to the the ancient stoics and romans and greeks plato um socrates people like that we've got modern sci-fi dune things like this and then also even just romance or a little bit of everything to be honest and As today, I do have a fun book for you. I do have Tim Winton's Cloud Street. So this is an Aussie classic, as I mentioned, published in 1991. It's about 470 pages in length. It's pretty thick. And it took me, I'd say, about 10 hours of reading, maybe even a bit more than that to get through in total. So let's talk about this book. Why did I pick it? What was my motivation and even initial impression of it? Well, if you go back into the book review channel history, you'll see about two and a half years ago, I did a Aussie book month and this is when I was reading two books a week, I believe. So there was quite a few, I think I did eight Aussie books, um, not necessarily classics, but some of them certainly were like my brother Jack and Rich and Flanagan's um, uh, Gold's Book of Fish and uh, yeah. Plenty, plenty of uh, Miles Franklin, all, all sorts of uh, different people in there, and so I did still have a list on my phone of other, Aussie, Aussie classics that I just had never really gotten to, and it's it's always been sitting there, and I was just going like, ah, you know, what? I should I should read more Australian books, I should get more into my own culture and history. So that was my initial reasoning for for picking this. And this is pretty high up there in terms of one of the Aussie classics. If you just type in Aussie classics, this, this will come up there and we'll talk about why it's a classic coming up soon. But it's pretty full on from the very just get start of this book. As you start reading, I would say within the first 10%, you have a, a maiming. So one guy loses uh, most of his, his hand, uh, brain damage to a small child and a death. and this is all like super super quick and so you do kind of get like hit with i suppose one of the things that you'll find from this book which is a lot about hardship and um and i suppose like aussie life back in the 1940s to 60s which was when this was uh really created and then um all these people that are contained within the book move into a street called cloud street which is where they uh initially grew up and where most of the book takes place so Let's get on to the plot slash style of, of what we're talking about. So, in particular, there's two families that are reunited in this one house, this being the lambs and the pickles. And so, uh, both are pretty large families centering on two parents uh, on, on each side. And then they have uh, roughly like three to five kids, each of them. And they both move into these. They're both pretty poor in the sense of not much material wealth and they have almost diametrically opposed into how they actually live and how they are. So, in in terms of the setting, this was mostly everyday life in Perth, from uh, Perth being Western Australia. And this was going from roughly the World War II period to the 1960s, from what I can tell. There's no exact dates put on it. And you really do have these two different families. There's the Lambs, who uh, have Oriel and Lester, and they're these kind of like God-fearing, industrious, hardworking people who move into the house and they're the tenants and then we have the the pickles which are i would say like this lazy blithe hedonistic type of family who uh i kind of gifted this house through the death of a of an uncle i believe or uh, yeah something like that which they can't sell uh and then this being Sam and Dolly and then they've got a whole series of kids the book mostly focuses on a couple of the kids each not all of them. uh, They don't all get equal airtime in the book, I I should say. And yeah, so we just follow their relationships, how they interact with each other in the world. And I suppose the eventual melding together of these two uh, families with elements of kinship and family and drama and what's going on in their lives and things like this. It's a real mix of a book in terms of the style because it has a lot of short and sharp chapters you'll you'll have these ones which are less than a page long going up to maybe six or seven pages but they usually are pretty short and sharp and this allows the author to go from individual characters to individual characters pretty rapidly because like i said there's probably about nine to ten characters who are very influential and receive a lot of airtime and um talking about it in this book and it really focuses on their point of view so when it switches to a, uh, another character it's like this is what they're experiencing even if it is a shared moment with other mem- members of the family so yeah it's, it's separated into 10 parts in particular which allows for some time skips as well because we're covering 20 years here so There'll, there'll be skips of you know like five years where it'll just go instantly and um go on uh there's a lot of dialogue description setup ethereal musings there's all sorts of things going on to here i'll pick this uh section from page 200 uh, 201 which is just talking about hell and so it's kind of an interesting mix thrown into it so Hell is like this. It's this cowering in the bottom of the cellar far from the smouldering trapdoor between pumpkins and tubs of apples. It's the smell of carry forests rising into the sky and the bodies of roos and possums returning to the earth as carbon and the cooking smell falling through the dimness like this. Trees go off like bombs out in the light and the cauldron boils and spits all about. Hell is being six years old and wondering why you're alone in the dark and no one else has come down yet. It's the sound of your own breathing, the salty stink of your bloomers, the way the walls have warmed, the flickering cracks, the screams like a thousand nails being drawn, the hammering, throttling noises, the way the rats are panicking and throwing themselves against things. Keeps going on like that. So you can kind of get, okay, it's, it's almost got like these flowery ethereal moments. And then there's other sections which are much more, this is what this person is doing. I suppose the main thing to call out is uh, it's got this elements of magic realism, which uh, it's not the main focus of the book, much like it has been in previous books I've covered, like um, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. He's really well-renowned for this, uh, where it's this it's a fictional world, usually, but then it's got these elements of completely magical, unbelievable things happening, but the characters kind of just go along with it. It's not like, oh, my God, what's what's happening? It's like, oh... That's a bit weird, that's a bit strange, but uh, they, they don't immediately jump to conclusions of aliens or drugs or, or, or ethereal beings or anything like that. They kind of just take it as it, as it comes. So, we see this with things like there's a talking pig, there's Quick who has the shining light coming out of his body, this huge prawn catch which is out of season, there's ghosts, there's dancing newspaper articles on the wall that come alive. Uh, there are these elements which are really fantastical. But what I suppose sets this book apart from other books I've read on on magic realism or have this style within them is that it's more realistic. So it's kind of like a lucky streak of gambling uh, in desperate straits, uh, Fisher's survival from near death, death. This is where he gets brain damage from an almost drowning. The shifty shadow, uh, the pig saving Oriole from death at, at one moment. They're all these kind of miracles very lucky things happening but they're they' um, they're, they're almost more believable. It's kind of this weird mix between the magic realism and it's still a miracle but it's it's almost a grittier version of it. So we do have quite a few elements uh, happening on the house on Cloud Street. So let's go into some of the questions themes that arisen from this book and what you really see is hardship from from the get-go. Everyone is is just getting screwed over. Uh, as I mentioned, that that was really what's happening to the you know Sam, who loses most of his hand and just has a stump apart from I think his thumb or just one finger survives. Uh, there's what I guess this book allows is you get to see everyone's private hell because you can't just say this one person has it really rough. You know Sam, he's he's the one who got maimed, but he's got his own problems. But his daughter has her own problems. You know, Rose's non-childhood and anorexia, Sam, not only with his hand, but just shitty luck in general. He really doesn't catch a break. Uh, there's Quick, who is the brother of Fish, the the boy who drowns and has brain damage. Um, and he has guilt, survivor's guilt over, like it could have been me who got trapped under the net and and had this. And it it should have been me. Oriel who has loss after loss in terms of family members, in terms of uh, people that she loves in her life, it is a rather brutal, <laughs> a brutal book, and you get to see everyone's individual loss. Uh, what comes out of this is, I think that each must draw on their own strengths to get over this. So you see with Rose, for example, dealing with her anorexia and and just the this kind of non-childhood uh she she draws on her like own internal strength Oriole is very much the same where she's got this kind of hardened nails as sam uh he he kind of gets over this shitty luck by believing in the shifty shadow and just saying like you know accepting his fate in some ways uh quick who has to just kind of just deal with this this lingering feeling of like it should have been me and go on his own path out into the, the desert, leave the family and kind of be away from them a while to realize and come back eventually. Like, okay, it wasn't, it, it's just one of those things that happens. So, we, we see they all have their own uh, hardships and, and how they deal with it is very different. I'm going to jump to page 279 here where we get a taste of how Oriole overcomes her, um, I suppose, Uh, hardship and and what she's been feeling. So, uh, the early morning quiet time, as she calls it, has proven proven impossible to shake off, but it gives her time to meet the Dale, steal herself, put on the full armour, as she used to say. She finishes up, tidies the table again, and feels the mulberry tree hanging over the tent like a cloud. It's still early. She'll give them another half hour before a reveille. It's been a hard week since the wedding, what with quick turning up and keeping them on the lookout like that and the hole that hat has left in the company. Another loss. Oh, if she thinks about everything that's been taken from her over the years, Lord, it's like the longest subtract- subtraction some invented. She can't help it. The feeling is on her and she's furious. It's a sickness, self-pity. It'll eat you up, woman. You know it. It'll eat the day and worm into your labor and weaken you. She puts her square, red fist on the table, watches it like a paperweight. Up the back, the pig snorts like a priest chanting. Fowls begin to scuffle. She hears water in the sewage pipes beneath the garden path. Someone is up. So we see with her it's this very much self-determination strictness. This is how she gets over the loss of loved ones, of you know, a, a daughter not abandoning the family, but getting married and moving on, of of people showing up and causing drama and chaos like Quick did on the wedding day. And so it's very much just this. She has this internal beating this strictness and this is how she gets over her hardship and this is nice and all each of the characters kind of deal with it as as best as they can but this is where it gets into I suppose the other theme I really gained from this book which is about kinship which is almost the final backstop because they all have their ways of dealing with hardship with adversity obstacles in life but they're kind of imperfect it's a way of just getting by of living for an extra year or not going crazy and insane and just giving everything up but you can do that for maybe a year maybe a couple of years but in the end they they all seem to break down at at some point and this is where kinship family is so important in this book so every time someone gets close to the edge it's almost like the the family that saves them uh, jumping again on here to page two hundred and ninety-seven. Uh, this is where we have, I believe, it's um, quick talking with his mum, and so uh, she's she's just asking him like questions about what it's been like. What's it? Um, you know, they're, they're, it's the first real chat they're almost having together. Aurel pulled the net and tried not to show exhilaration at having him here like this, at the two of them talking like adults together. There was something in hard and resistant in him now, something he'd, been grown, he'd grown in being gone, and she knew it had been worth the hurt. Why are you so bitter? Because of your family or because of yourself? What do you mean? Do you hate the fact that you come from, well, let's just say, crack troops, weirdos, mum, flame and wackos? Or is it just the old business of feeling guilty about being a survivor? Quick almost stumbled at that. It went deep into him. What the hell would you know? You don't know the first thing about feelings. Certainly not mine, and damn not sure about what I feel about fish. I know about being a survivor. You think it's your fault he died? You think it should have been you? You're paralysed with this thing that's eaten you, and you don't know about, uh, don't know that it's rubbish. You don't know a damn thing about it, Mum. She thought about her mother and sisters up in the cook, uh, up in the cooking like picnic steaks. She thought about her mother and sisters up in the house, cooking like picnic steaks, while she lay helpless in the cellar. She saw the bullet-torn wallet of Bluey, her half-brother with its black crust of ink and blood, and the king stamp signature on the slip of paper. And she could feel Ch- Fisher's chest under her fist as she beat life into him, with the sky kiting over her, silent as death. She pursed her mouth and with her teeth set behind them. So it's very much this aspect where... You know, he's gone away, he's developed some steel, he's become a, a man almost in some sorts, but he still has this lingering thing about quick of being a survivor of, of the guilt over that. And it's where you need the family, and this is probably the most important thing about the family, it's, it's not necessarily just being there, um, which, which sometimes is helpful, just having someone you know is in your back and even if they can't communicate with you that well, uh, you still know that you have someone in your corner that will love you. Um, this is very much, I think, at least in my life, what my mum has always been for me. There's never been a, a real deep conversations with her, but she's always been there for me. When we look at other people in this book, and Oriole, for example, it's almost reversed. For her, it's she's the one who needs to have the tough talk with Fish and uh, with Quick about Fish and and make him realize, like, hey, it's it's not your fault. You know, it's it's okay and you and he's just holding on to it where his dad is much more the joker the jester and he's the one who's always providing that family atmosphere of loving of you know baking pastries and things like this and so uh it's almost like this you need to have family to to almost have those uncomfortable conversations sometimes those things that'll make you realize that you're holding something back or you're not doing this thing out of fear or you, you're blaming yourself for something that happened a long time ago. It's almost the process of having hard talks, and which I think is what a lot of this book is about. The the uncomfortable moments of realizing, you know, this person that you thought. Uh, another aspect that comes up, even just in that sentence I read there, was you know he didn't know really that much about his mom. He didn't know like she's been through shit. <laughs> you know, he he feels guilty about her, his his brother surviving while whilst he uh well well semi surviving in this in this kind of brain damaged state while he survived and and lived you know she was there while her while her siblings were burning in a um in a forest fire out in the bush she was there when her brother went overseas to fight in the war and and got killed you know she was there trying to save fish as he had drowned and come back to life so it's it's also that aspect of you know kinship is is about realizing that your parents, uh, and, and, other family members, they have their own internal hardships as well. It's not, it's not all about me. It's just, yeah, there are other aspects to, to life and, um, it can be very hard to, to realize that. And then also very gratifying at times to, to know like, Oh my God, this, my mom, who seems like a bitch, uh, in the case of Dolly and Rose, she, she realizes like, Oh, you know, her mom, her mom had troubles as well. It's not, she you know the reason she's a drunken alcoholic is not cuz her life was going swimmingly and hence she just chose to to abuse her own child and to um you know ba- basically neglect her it's like no she's she's trying to overcome things that she herself has 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 dealt with not excusing abuse or alcoholism but it, it's that compassion that empathy of understanding like oh this is another person Uh, my my parent is a a a human being who's gone through their own things as well so quite a few stuff there let's jump into the author and some extra details honestly there's not too much to talk about tim winton um i was just doing a bit of research and he seems to rather stay away from the limelight he doesn't particularly like to he he likes the focus being on the books not on him so we'll um respect that and um and just leave him to it but just saying he is a prolific australian author and um uh, yeah, worthy of, of uh, reading some of his books for sure. Uh, the extra details in this book was it really gets into, like magic realism, it, the the grounding in the everyday life is what makes those fantastical elements so intriguing, so interesting of, you know, the kind of ghosts or these the shining lights from people. And uh, I think he does a real good job of that in this book because even if there are some ridiculous things that happen in it you do get a lot of australian culture and history you do get uh, big moments that happen in time things that i'd never heard about like the nedlands monster for example which plays a an important role in probably the final quarter of the book final fifth of the book uh, which was a a serial killer in the i'm gonna say like 1950s maybe early 1960s and in perth and was an actual guy and and so there are these incorporations of it it gives like a richness and grounding to those extra additional elements and boy in this book is their slang galore you will have to get used to a lot of it there's no glossary at the end so for if you're having a, a shot at this and you are not australian i'm just going to say good luck You you probably will want to search up some of these terms because there's things like Troppo, Gede, Fair Dinkum, Chunder, which is dispute, grog, alcohol, Khan, which is kind of a, a way of shortening come on, Cobber, uh, which is r- related to police, Grousest. Uh, there's a, just a lot of different things going on in here, so get get prepared for that. Uh, it's usually only in the dialogue between actual characters, so you'll still get the setup, so it's not super, super important. It's not like the narrator himself is is coming up with all of these um, uh, extra things. Uh, so that's not too bad, but uh, I'll give you a little taste of it here on the bottom of page 207. Yeah. Uh, Sam Gafford, must be me with the brain damage. The door will need fixing, said Lester. Yep, I reckon so. Listen, can I borrow that cleaver sometime? Course. What you cutting? Thinking about what them Jews do, you know, bar misfart, whatever it is. Circumcision? Lester went yellow. You? No, not me, Cobber, my eldest. And I tell ya, me hand will be none too steady. He'll be sitting down to piss. Lester wiped the blade on his apron. Don't have children, mate, whatever you do. No, Lester said, turning to leave. What? <laughs> so we get a little taste of it there where it's, it's, it, it's very Aussie, the, the slang, the drawl, how you going, mate, that, that type of deal. So you can really imagine that uh, in, in your own mind. I'm going to jump onto my final summary here, similar books, recommendations. Look, it's, it's a really striking read. I think it jumps out at you, not just uh, the magic realism elements, but also the hardship, the adversity, the kinship. I think there's some deep themes to us. Uh, you could take more out from this book. There's things related to um, you know, social, economic positions of poverty, of what it is to be Australian, of historical events, of... Uh, being on the doll of of bludges of you know hard work all these sorts of things but these were the ones that uh, really stood out for me Uh, multiple places where there's a real nice turn of phrase there's these beautiful aspects of uh, there was a section where he was talking about there's an inability to compete with dead heroes and I found that really striking as well as a good way of putting this the only critique I had of this was there was a slightly too much abstraction in some parts. There were some parts where, uh, like that hell description I read, it's a bit out there, it's a bit um, extra, in particular when it's related to Fisher's mind and it's kind of, it's almost like trying to imagine what what it's like to to be someone with brain damage and it's very loose and, and very, it's hard to comprehend what's actually going on. It doesn't fit a, a full narrative structure and, and make it super easy. There was elements of that I liked, and then there was parts where I was just like, ah, I don't really get this. (laughs) I'm not sure what's going on here. So that's probably my only critique of the book. But in general, the parallels to Cien Daniels de Soledad to um, 100 Years of Solitude by Gabriel García Márquez, a really fantastic book, very worth uh, tuning into as well, uh, is very, very very similar. Just the house, the families, the uh, magic realism. It's like the Australian version of that. So if you like that book, definitely worth checking out this one gold's book of fish as well has these elements into it uh, by richard flanagan Uh, so another similar feel to it if you want another aussie book which is like this Uh, there's a reason this is near the top of many aussie classic lists uh, because it is just a solid book it's really striking it's a very unique read so overall cloud street by tim winton i'm going to give a seven and a half and ten to very worth uh, checking out And uh, my final little recommendation is just read more from your own country. It's uh, it was fantastic reading an Aussie book like this and being like, "Damn, we got some good authors." So, (laughs) just a reminder gives you a deeper connection with uh, where you're from and and who you are and and things like this. So, I'm going to jump onto the Boostergram Lounge here and thank some people who have helped support the show. Over this last week and a half, it has been uh, at that extra half a week uh, since I've now doing the book reviews on a Thursday. So uh, that'll be locked in for I would say like the next six months going forward until I maybe start traveling, and then then we'll see what happens with these. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, there's a couple of people who boosted into the show. I saw Ashley Glenday sending some. Some small ones here and there, 40 sats, 100 sats, things like that. Every little bit is appreciated. Um, No notes on those. I do appreciate messages. But uh, yeah, if you just want to send in as well, I I won't say no to that. No, thank you. And we do have a boostgram here from Sir TJ The Wrathful, who sent 1,953. And this was on the book uh, Post Office by Charles Bukowski. And he says... Uh, I've been a mail carrier for six years, and as far as working at the post office, I can 100% relate to this character. It's a horrid, corrupt place. I struggle every day with my attitude working there. As far as the rest of the book, I only made it halfway through, lol. Anyways, thanks for the book reviews. It reminds me that I have books I want to read. My pleasure. My pleasure, Sir TJ, the wrathful uh, from the doorful into the Dorful, um verse, who's doing really cool things with value for value music. I'm sure I'll talk more about those when I read some books, which are related more to technology and and, um, innovation, things like that. And yeah, I was actually having a discussion last night with my roommate just about uh, what it's like to work in a nine to five and the situations you can get in where you're being told to do things which are impossible. And so you have to do the impossible. <laughs> and I very much get the feel. That's what it, uh, working in a a post office could be like, where it's, you know, you have to fill out this many forms in this many time, but you don't actually have the form. So it's impossible, that sort of thing. So um, I feel you, man, I feel you. Uh, there are certain jobs, there are certain situations you can get in, which is just like, what the hell? What, this this makes no sense. Um, but I'm, I'm glad this has inspired you to read as well. This is kind of what the book reviews is about. Half of it's to get my own thoughts out, to be able to connect with people, produce something which I hope other people really enjoy reading uh, while listening to and then consuming. But also, yeah, like I'm talking about these books because I think they're usually worthy of reading. It's, It's probably about one in every seven or eight, which is I'm a little bit meh, but I'll I'll try and get through it anyway. So that that's the Boostgram Lounge. Thank you for everyone. I don't remember any real comments coming on the um the actual YouTube channel to to call out in particular. So uh, I think we'll just leave that, that there for this very moment. Let me just quickly jump over to here and and see if there's been any over this last week. Um, we did have this guy talking about uh the Soren Kierkegaard one. Uh and uh actually kind of uh yeah, a couple of like negative comments of some previous books, The Wim Hof method and um either or by Suren Kierkegaard and just saying how I didn't understand them or that the book is full of shit. Hey, I'm um yeah, look, I appreciate it all all and every comment, so thank you for for those people tuning into those. Although you don't need to insult me as well. It's um just because I didn't understand the book it's maybe maybe you're just imagining <laughs> crap that's not actually there as well just saying just saying <laughs> so let's go on to the value for value this is a value for value podcast i do all of this free of charge my motto my ethos in life is i want this to be available anywhere any place anytime for everyone in anyhow method so uh, there will never be paywalls there will never be things blocking you from getting this. The only uh, reason you would maybe not find it a place is if they put advertising on top of it, which is also another ethos of mine. Uh, I don't believe in advertising. I don't want my views corrupted by people coming in saying like, oh, Karen, if if I send you this book for free, will you read it? Which I have gotten before or potentially in the future when the channel's bigger, um, authors coming in and and wanting guest spots or things like that. No, I I read the books, which I find interesting and try and minimize my external uh, influences to those which you can see, which is why I do it all out in the open with people like Sir TJ The Wrathful and Ashley Glenday and thank them for their support. So there's many ways you can do that time just simply sharing the book reviews with another person joining me on these live ones so i really uh, appreciate the interactions with uh with people and um and doing it like that that's super super fun uh if there's a uh one in the uh in the uh comments actually says slightly tangy sound yeah that's an interesting description um i'm not sure what's different from compared to the last week should be about the same uh so we do uh i do appreciate you come and joining in live things like that talent is there any books that you would recommend is there any things that you think I've missed out of these Uh, I would really appreciate getting some feedback in terms of that Uh, in terms of even the audio quality in terms of things that I have said or not said of how I could make this podcast better all of those sorts of Interactions that you could provide would be very much appreciated. Feedback, feedback is hugely, hugely critical. So, would very much appreciate your your talent in um, in making this show better. And then finally, treasure if you want to support in a monetary manner. This does require time, energy, costs in terms of hosting, in terms of um, keeping up our cameras updated, crappy <laughs> audio mixes failing eventually. All of these things require money, so uh, if you want to support the show, if you get value from the show, I just ask that you return it, and the value is subjective, it's up to you, it could be a small amount, it could be a large amount, uh, you can do that via the PayPal link, which you'll find in the show notes, and you can also do that by going to a new podcast app, I've got a whole bunch of reviews of them on mere support, and you'll get extra benefits from tuning in by seeing chapter images as they're coming up, same as you'll see on the YouTube video of uh, transcripts of things like that. So it's a very fun experience and I do recommend you um, try one of those out and you'll um, be able to get some uh, tasty goodness from that. Coming up in later episodes, I will have some ways for you to help support and uh, I will give you sats so that you can hopefully boost them back to me because I would really love that. So uh, tune into probably next week's episode to, to learn more about that and yeah other than that we'll um we'll just leave it there for today thank you everyone for joining me into this live for tuning into it afterwards post-hand really do appreciate it uh book reviews recommendations please send them to me and yeah we'll come back with another book review in a week's time thanks for tuning in ciao for now Kyron out bye